let's talk about the insanity of profanity on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hey everyone, Dr. Johnny here, and this is another episode of Pushback. I'm so glad that you joined me again this week as I share my heart with you, and I have an interesting topic that I feel like I need to jump right in just for the sake of time uh, so I can get through all of my thoughts here uh, this week. Uh, you know, I've been talking about William Wilberforce, and if you haven't heard my series entitled May the Force Be With You, um, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to that in its entirety. Uh, but Wilberforce had two main causes, and one was, of course, the abolition of the slave trade, uh, which for which he is well known and, and for which he's given really the moniker of uh, a hero of humanity and a cultural reformer. But his second main cause was that of manners. Uh, and it was interesting because he felt like both of these were intricately connected. And so the, entitled, the title of this podcast this week is The Insanity of Profanity. Now, I'm going to talk about the words that we say and, 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 and profanity and swearing and the things that are, are so inherent in our culture because this podcast is about culture, as you're aware. So I'm hopefully not just trying to be prudish here, um, and I don't want to push back against something that doesn't matter. So the question is, is the words that we say uh, and the, um, the profaneness that's in our language, does that matter? Well, I use the word insanity, and that's a big word. And I will explain that at the end while I why I chose that word. And this podcast is going to be full of words because this is about what we say, but it also is about what words mean. Because I think that really helps bring definition, clarity to the importance of this topic. You know, I always think of uh, The Christmas Story, uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's a story of a child uh, reminiscing about his life, I believe, in the 1950s uh, and around Christmas time. And, of course, there's a famous scene where he's helping his dad change the tire and, and he spills the lug nuts into the snowbank and uh, he says the word fudge. Um, but, of course, the voiceover says that he never said the word fudge. And, of course, the next scene, he's getting his mouth washed out with soap, which is what they did back in the 1950s. <laughs> And, and of course, the, the comedy of the response of the mother, um, you know, just bewildered where he came up with this four-letter word. And of course, throughout the movie, they make it very clear that his father, uh, and I believe, I'm not going to get this quote completely right, but said something to the effect of, he said his father could weave a tapestry of profanity that still lingers over Lake Erie today. <laughs> And so there is, there is a, a, an inherent culture in the home where the son is listening to the father. The mother is bewildered where he could possibly have learned that language when all the time, of course, it is the culture of the home. And that's what we see every day, fast forward 50 to 60 years, uh, where it's become somewhat commonplace. Now, does this matter? You know, I still think it matters in our society because I still see 
a uh, acknowledgement of the importance of what we say and what we do. Obviously, in movies, they still bleep out words or in TV shows. And uh, a lot of times, uh, especially in movies where it isn't quite so um, regulated, I believe it's actually a substitute for good writing. And they they try to bring shock and awe. And for some reason, every movie, even kids' movies, as you may notice, seem make it seem necessary for them to add vulgar language, rude language, crude language. Because our society um, is hungry for anything that would be shock and awe because this is becoming so commonplace. They are continuing to push the envelope. And in movies, the envelope has been pushed ever since Gone with the Wind. uh, Put in the word, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a... (laughs) And ever since then, the envelope has been pushed and movies and TV shows have been trying to get away with more and more as a substitute for good writing to try to bring shock and awe. It was interesting. My son was at a weightlifting. He was weightlifting in his weight room at school. And one of the fellow students came up to him and said, is it okay if I swear in front of you? (laughs) Now that speaks volumes because there's something about my son that has a culture about him that they felt like they needed to ask permission. And it's obviously something that they could turn on or off. It was something that they didn't want to have to control, but felt like it needed to be addressed. We have a contractor, a real dear friend of mine, uh, maybe listening, um, and he's super conscientious about the way that he speaks and the way that his crew speaks uh, before they come over to our home to work on a remodeling project that they had. And he said, he said almost apologetically, like, I don't know, these kids tend to speak kind of wildly. And I told them that you were a minister and that they need to kind of rein it in. So it's interesting. People are aware and they do realize that their language can be offensive and explicit. Even this podcast, when I release the podcast, there is a question that says, does this have any explicit or offensive language? So there is still some caring in our culture, still some control, uh, still some regulation, although uh, obviously over time this has eroded. We obviously see it in pop music all the time. Very crude and vulgar, explicit language. So what are we talking about here? Let me just bring some definition to what we're talking about. You know, we we use the word cursing, and that's obviously present throughout the Bible. Or we use the Lord's name in vain. Uh, Those are very specific examples, certain types of profanity that are expressed. And those are clearly a boundary. And I think most of us as Christians would be very cautious about using the Lord's name in vain uh, and hopefully have removed that from our language. And we don't like the word curse. Um, It's a powerful word in the Christian religion. Um, So let me maybe even lean into other four-letter words, of which I won't share on this podcast. However, we know what they are. Uh, So the the Latin root of the word profane is the word profanus, uh, and actually means unholy. And that's where all of this conversation has started. So if you take the Lord's name in vain, or you use other four-letter words, you have profaned him. You have profaned him. That's why this is so important. Because what we're talking about here is holiness. And the things that actually proceed out of our mouth matter. I don't think anybody would argue with that. Except that in our culture, our language has eroded to the fact that I'm not so sure we're paying much attention to it anymore. And that's where I come in. 
I'm Dr. Johnny and I push back against things of the culture because I'm uncomfortable with the direction that it's heading. So why does this matter? The word profane, the definition, is relating or devoted to that which is not sacred or biblical. It's secular rather than religious. It's interesting. So profane language is actually referring to those who are not connected to heaven in the way that they speak. The word swear is to use offensive language, especially as an expression of anger. That's the definition of swearing. The word curse is also an offensive word or phrase used to express anger or annoyance. So these are the words that we use. It's interesting, the word swear and the word curse, I find this very interesting. Actually, both of these obviously have a secondary definition to just offensive words or phrases. The secondary or or other definition of the word swear is to make a solemn statement or promise undertaking to do something or affirming that something is the case. An alternative definition to the word curse is a solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. The word in both of those definitions sort of jumped out at me as I was preparing this podcast. It's the word solemn. And the word solemn, if you look the definition of that up, which I did, is the word serious. My friends, the understanding of these words, the the context of these words that we say carries a seriousness about them, which is the purpose of this podcast. So some definitions swearing these days is understood generally as the strongly emotional use of taboo terms to carry out such acts as abusing, offending, letting off steam, intensifying what is being said, or simply signaling displeasure. So it's, it's, it's becoming more commonplace in our language. So why do we do it? Is there any science behind why we do it? Well, it's interesting. Uh, Swearing in response to pain, studies have shown, may actually activate what's called the amygdala, which is a portion of our brain, which in turn triggers a kind of a flight flight or fight response. And that can lead to a surge in adrenaline, which is a natural form of pain relief. Interesting. And so, like so many other things that we do, it can make you, quote unquote, feel better, which is incredibly interesting for me and will be a topic of my future of a future podcast, I assure you, and, and one that we've already alluded to when I was talking about the LGBT community, that we have become a feeling culture. We simply do what feels good. So if swearing can blow off steam, it can make you quote unquote feel better. And so we don't really understand that We as ambassadors of heaven, we are the ones who are representative of heaven. We are supposed to rule over. Feelings don't rule the day. Our spirit rules the day. And have I said many times on previous podcasts, and I will say it again, that true character is actually revealed under stress or anger. A lot of people say, oh, I didn't mean to say that, or I'm sorry I acted that way. I was just under stress. Well, no, we actually live with a governor. uh, a, a self-control that is, is on our lives that actually could help us help, help us filter the things that we say. When we become stressed or anxious or angry, that filter actually is removed and the true 
form of ourselves that is actually revealed, our true character. I'll mention more on that later. So as I you know, research this, I, I obviously I can turn to Christian sources about the dangers and the problems of swearing. But, you know, my heart with this podcast is to actually engage the world and the way the world feels about it and to give language that we can talk to the world about this. And so I'm not afraid to go online and look to see what the secular people are saying. Predictably, when you look online about swearing and cursing, many liberal online influencers are actually encouraging parents and others to even swear in front of their children because they don't want any personal accountability. And they are desperate for somebody to tell them it's okay. And when you read this, it's dripping with sort of an impotency about, I don't really know what to do, so if you can't beat it, just let the kids join it. They don't take it seriously. It's the, it's the common versus normal. You will hear this thread uh, throughout my podcast. As things become more common, we call it normal. Well, the way that we speak and cursing and vulgar language is, is becoming much more common in our culture doesn't make it normal. It's interesting. I went on a website called lifestyle.com, not one that I would typically uh, c- click on. Uh, it, it tends towards a woman audience, uh, but it was very interesting. I, like I said, I want to hear what the world has to say. And, and they are talking about... Uh, about avoiding swearing and the dangers of swearing. I was, I found it very interesting and they had sort of a top seven reasons not to swear. I'd like to share those with you because I think it's enlightening. This isn't a pastor or a Christian theologian that's talking about this. This is just a secular observation. Number one, it hinders communication. Number two, there are better ways to express yourself. That's a good one. Number three, it makes people defensive. It is offensive, which makes people feel defensive. It actually limits your vocabulary. It's very interesting. I had a patient yesterday who I was seeing in the emergency department, and I'm not exaggerating. I think every third word was a four-letter word. Like he was incapable of communicating to me without continued cursing, without continued vulgarity. It was like impossible for him. Number five I thought was interesting. She wrote, it's not very classy. (laughs) Not very classy. She wrote, let's face it, swearing just isn't very classy. Can you imagine Jackie Kennedy swearing? Maybe she swore on occasion, but it's very difficult to imagine swear words coming from her mouth. By not swearing, you can project sophistication and class, both of which can help you earn the respect of others. That blows me away. What insight from lifestyle.com. (laughs) see classy implies that they're uh, whether wrong or right it implies that there's higher or lower classes a sophistication connected to those in this context let me explain that being classy actually helps you earn the respect see i've said before that i love the bible verse that says they will serve before kings they will not serve before officials of low rank That's NIV, Proverbs 22.9. The New King James says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. New Living Translation says, They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. 
Interestingly, when you talk about ordinary or common, the word is actually vulgar. Vulgar means common. It means lacking sophistication or good taste or unrefined. It's interesting. I'm an equal opportunity pushbacker, so I hope I don't offend anybody on this. But our former president, President Trump, who I would continue to vote for today, was actually referred to often by many as the profanity president. It was one of my least favorite characteristics about his presidency. Now, we often would try to defend it, saying, well, he's a cowboy and he's kind of what this country needs. and We need to get into people's faces and we need to be angry. And we made excuses for him. But I think what I saw and what many observed is that it was fatiguing. It was tiring for the country. And it wasn't presidential. So again, from a, a political position, from a, a policy position, I agreed with him completely. But I would love to have seen him be able to tame his tongue. Because true character often comes out in stress and anger. Number six, she said it's inappropriate for work or school. Well, that's another interesting one. Do you guys realize that businesses, when they interview you, one of the, one of the first places they go to is Facebook. What are they looking for? They're looking for vulgarity. They're looking for profanity. They're looking for things that their clients may not appreciate. So if vulgarity means common, what they're looking for is exceptional. They're looking for those of you that can stand before kings. That's what every president, company, uh, human resource specialist would look for. And so when we go to a job interview, we don't start uh, a line or a tapestry of profanity, do we? Why not? Why wouldn't we if it's just simply commonplace or maybe helpful? Or why wouldn't we if it helps just release a little adrenaline into our body? We do it because we know that it's offensive and we know that it's not what a company would look for. So it's countercultural to a healthy culture. We can simply connect the dots. And number seven, and I think this is the most important one, is they write in lifestyle.com, it's inappropriate in front of children. It's so interesting. She writes, another reason you shouldn't swear is because it's inappropriate for children to hear. No one wants their five-year-old to be swearing. But when people swear around children, those children tend to pick up the swear words. Duh. If you don't want your kids, the kids in your family swearing, it's best not to swear yourself. <laughs> Goes back to the Christmas story. Studies have shown that children struggle to learn more appropriate ways to manage and express anger and other emotions, which could have adverse consequences in the outside world. Frequent cursing and poor communication skills could lead them to have trouble at school and difficulty forming and maintaining close relationships. This is a big deal. This isn't benign. This isn't just common or vulgar. Other research has found that children start swearing around the age of two, and then it becomes more, listen to this, adult-like by ages 11 or 12. Authors at the Association for Psychological Science noted in 2012, by the time children enter school, they have a working vocabulary of 30 to 40 offensive words. I love that how it says that it becomes more adult-like, as if when we get older, it's somehow okay to let down our moral standards, to become more unholy. Because adults can say this, but we don't want our kids to say it. Why is that? It's going to be a topic of a future podcast, I assure you. 
this idea that we can have an adult-like thing as if, as if when we get older, it's not dangerous for us anymore. Interesting. And finally, you know, Wilberforce, as I talked about him before, he was floored by the complacency of clergy. And it's interesting. I, I'll be honest and vulnerable. I've been around even pastors and ministers who could weave some four-letter words. And I'm always amazed by that because I, I, I question how, uh, how there would be sort of this, this willingness and this openness to allow these words out of your mouth and have them become habit-forming. Now, some pastors may say, hey, this makes us more real. This makes us more to, able to engage with younger people. Uh, my friends, we have plenty of things. We have plenty of problems to be real about. I, as a minister, I face all of the problems that the secular world faces as well. We can be real. We can be transparent. We can talk about our things, our problems, and we can still control what comes out of our mouth. We can still be holy. So you may say, well, it's nice that Wilberforce cared about this, but what does the Bible say? All right, ready? Here we go. Colossians 3.8, but now you must also rid yourself of all things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Ephesians 5.4, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. James 1.26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. James 3.10, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Psalm 141.3, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 4.24, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Proverbs 21.23, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. I love Proverbs because Proverbs always gives you a point, a, a connection point, and then gives you the why. Don't we want to be free, free from calamity? Luke 6.45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So my friends, even my Christian friends, is your heart full of vulgarity, profanity, cursing? I don't think that it is. So let's put the, the door of our lips. <laughs> let's activate the door of our lips according to Psalm 141. So why does this matter? Why is this important for our culture? It's important for our children. It's important for the culture itself because we want a holy culture. We want a pure culture. We want people to ask us if it's okay if they swear in front of us because it shows that we have a boundary around us, that we actually care about it. My son said, uh, it would be nice if you didn't, by the way, when asked that question. <laughs> Proud of him for doing that. And it matters because of influence. It matters because of influence. We want to stand before kings. We want to be righteous and holy in the things that we say, unoffensive. I use the word insanity of profanity as the title of this podcast. So let me give you one last definition. The definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting different results. 
My friends, this is the insanity of profanity. It's continuing to speak the way that we do and wondering why we don't have influence. If we keep doing the same thing, we need to demonstrate to the world. I love this phrase. We live a life that requires an explanation. People know. They know when they see us because we are the culture setters. So my friends, please go to pushbackculture.org. Do you agree with me? Am I overreacting? Am I making too big of a deal out of this? What is your opinion? I want to get feedback from you. And you can go to pushbackculture.org. You can leave a comment or question for me. I would love to get back to you and even maybe and share your question here on my podcast because this is about discussing culture. So let's go together now to set and shape the culture. Mm-hmm.